Hi fairy fairies, it's Tom here and I just wanted to check in and say hello, hi, welcome. Um, so today I'm just throwing out a little compilation of these blog posts that I read and sometimes throw on the Patreon page or the Patreon page. So um, some of these Patreon saints you will have heard before, but today I'm going to record a couple new ones and then I'm going to edit in some of my favorite other ones and we're gonna get into it so for those of you who don't know our website it bears repeating podcast.com used to be my blog post my blog called wickedglitter.net i think that's what it was wicked glitter no not wickedglitter.com i think it was wickedglitter.net i'm coming at you in full morning voice i've just woken up um everything's fine with me and tiffany don't worry uh life just kind of caught up to both of us and uh I just need to sleep, and Tiffany has a lot of work to do, so, you know, life comes at you fast. September, not at all what we thought it was going to be. So, let's get to it. So, the first blog post I'm going to read to you was on wickedglitter.net, and it's called, How a f- Oh, ooh, Tom, you get to read bullets together. Okay, how will friends work? <laughs> Still, Tom, Tom, you gotta read. How friends will work after college, or high school, or when you transfer colleges. This is one of my favorite subjects to discuss because I think a lot of people I know are discovering how friendships with people. Tom, get it together. I think I forgot to mention before we jump into this. These old blog posts, like, in capture, like, things that happened when I lived in Chicago, when I moved back from Chicago, and I thought I was going to be a journalist. So, keep that in mind. Let me try this again. How friends will work after college, or high school, or when you transfer colleges. This is one of my favorite subjects to discuss because I think a lot of people are discovering now how friendships with people change after college and no one really tells anyone about it. So I've taken it upon myself as an obvious expert on post-college friendships to tell you how it normally works. Don't be too nervous because it's not all bad news coming your way. You may be wondering about my expertise. I transferred out of uh, my first school after my freshman year. I thought I had a lot of friends that I was going to stay in touch with, but this turned out not to be true. I transferred out a second time and was a lot more prepared when my friends started fading out. I know a lot of people who stayed at the same school for four years and weren't ready for the way their relationships with people from their school would change. Here's an easy to read scenario of you and a friend at college and how things may play out. You were BFFs on campus and you did everything together. For four years, you did crazy things, waited for odd hours of the day so you could eat lunch at the dining hall with all of your friends and went to any after-class event that offered free food. You both graduated, congratulations, and moved on to whatever you moved on to. Now, you don't live across the hall from your friend anymore and things are a bit more difficult. You are now dealing with people your college BFF doesn't know about or having problems he or she doesn't fully understand and you're too busy to actually explain it. You try texting each other but you're both too tired and too busy to talk about anything meaningful. You can't walk across the hall at 2am to cry on his or her shoulder about meaningless things. You both slowly realize you're not as close anymore and that makes you both sad but you're both probably realizing that you were friends mostly because you had easy access to each other. That's completely fine and you need relationships like that in life. People are going to come and go and you just have to accept that. You 
do need to stay positive because there's a few that will stick like glue and you can talk about anything even though they don't have a full grasp on what's happening to you. You can send them texts like, Kathy is being so fucking annoying about Bobby and I'm just sick and fucking tired of their shit. And they will respond without knowing Bobby and Kathy and say, yeah, those two totally suck. I'm eating ice cream because I ran out of shows to watch on Netflix. And then you recommend three more shows and have a great conversation about what happens to your soul after you die. I've noticed in my post-college career that I will meet people who seem to want to be friends and they just stop talking to you. This is okay too because those people are always really amusing but also have a lot of drama and you don't have time for that, do you? I know, I don't. It is always a little bit disappointing when this happens but I have a glass of wine and that usually helps me cope. I would like for you to not click away from this blog post with a bitter view of people. I want to promise you the ones that stick are the only ones worthwhile and soon you will forget how weird it is to try to be friends with people when it's obviously not going to work out. So that's the first one and oh boy is that reading is hard. Um, excuse me, I'm super congested too so ooh, honey, honey. Um, I might do, I might do three new ones. Who can be short? These are so quick. So this one's called Mother, the Chocolate Vandal. Sarah's chocolate has been a staple in my house for as long as I can remember. My mother is a chocoholic and it's her favorite brand. This year she took things to a bit extreme. My cousin's daughter was doing a Sarah's fundraiser for her school and my dad bought each of us a pound of chocolate. I always choose the breakup chocolate because it's very low maintenance. There's no constant unwrapping. All I have to do is break a piece off and shove it in my mouth. I like my chocolate to be low commitment just like everything else. My mom chose the chocolate balls wrapped in foil. I don't understand why you would choose those because you literally have to unwrap every ball, but you know you're still going to eat them all in one sitting, and then you have a mountain of foil evidence that you have to throw away. It's just not a fun experience for me. We celebrated Christmas yesterday because my mother, who got her, oh, b -b -b -b. We celebrated Christmas yesterday because my brother, who got his first job as a nurse recently, is working Christmas Eve and Christmas. My brother bought her this nice little box organizer thing and then put a blanket inside as well as chocolate balls and then some of my presents so it looked full. A single foil covered chocolate ball fell out of the blanket when my mom removed it from the box. She responded with a lovely expletive. My brother watched it roll away from her. She was caught. My mother began to tell us why there was a loose chocolate ball in the blanket. The chocolate from the fundraiser had been in the house since early December. Three weeks ago, she had a craving for some chocolate, so she ate her chocolate balls from the order. That wasn't enough, so she decided to dig into what would have been my breakup chocolate after that. Then she ran to the store to replace them before anyone would notice. My brother put the box under the tree on Thursday. That night when she got home and there was no one who was paying attention, she decided to cut the back of the chocolate ball package and steal a few. She returned the bag to its place on top of the blanket. She later decided that she was going to eat the whole bag and replace it completely. What she didn't realize was that some of them fell out of the back of the package while it was lying on the blanket. She described the thrill of eating chocolate in secret as I imagine a drug addict would talk about their drug of choice. If you were preoccupied, I would sneak away and shove whatever I thought I could get away with in my mouth and came back into the room. It was so exciting. This explained why she had been so weird. I felt like I was cramping her style recently. Every night I decided to stay in. She asked why I wasn't going out. She was really just trying to get rid of me so she could get her chocolate fix. And that's my mother, the chocolate addict. I remember that. That was so, it was so, she like pulled the blanket out and just like a chocolate ball flew into the air. Like, you know how like when you like flop open a blanket and like, well, there was a chocolate ball and it like flew across the room. And my mom just started laughing hysterically. It was, she was like, oh no, but she did swear. She was like, fuck, it's great. 
I have two more for you, if you're willing to sit, and then there'll be more after that. Uh, one about, um, love. So, <laughs> there's that. Okay, so this one's called Little Bits of Love, Lots of Happiness. Valentine's Day is coming up, and I think celebrating love is great. I hate to admit that there may be something to a holiday that seems to only drive people crazy. This post has little to do with traditional what you think of love and has a lot to do with little bits of love to random people. One of my favorite little pleasures in life is actually completing those surveys on the bottom of our seats when I have an awesome experience. I feel like some of us are very quick to complain and write when we have bad experiences. I know I've done that as well. But telling people when they do something good is even better. I know that a few places I've worked where there were benefits for getting compliments beyond self-satisfaction. I could earn a free lunch or something like that. Then it felt really good that someone thought I did such an awesome job that they wrote, called, or talked to management immediately after our interaction. It's so easy to do and it only takes a second. It'll also feel really good about passing that information along. I do it all the time. I came home from a trip from Chicago and wrote to all the places I had an amazing experience at. The responses I got were wonderful. They warmly welcomed me back to their businesses the next time I was in Chicago and can guarantee that I will be back when I have the chance. I think we also forget to send love to people we interact with on a daily basis, like our best friends or coworkers. Some of the best things I've received from my best friend have been stupid little presents or the midday pick-me-up coffee a coworker gave me. It was just, uh, I was just given the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack yesterday. Do you know how amazing that present is? It's phenomenal because it's the only way you can get the song Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah. And that's a must-have song. It's little presents like these that I remember and cherish the most. So even if you don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, significant other, send a little love to your favorite people. You'll forget about, ooh, you'll forget all about that forever alone chant going on in your head. Oh, there's a picture of my dog here. Oh. Okay, this is the final new one. And then everything after this, I'm going to have edited in from my mini-sodes that I dropped on Patreon. So this one's called Misconnections. Damn, your ass is the finest thing I ever seen. So this one's kind of outdated because it doesn't exist anymore, but we'll get into it. I try really hard not to live by the romantic notions of Hollywood, but I can't help it. I try to pass my heart off as a black soul, but it doesn't work and people read right through that bullshit. The now defunct <laughs> misconnection section of Craigslist is a cute idea in theory. You saw someone in the coffee line and you thought he was cute, but your mocha was ready and you were late for work. There was no time to talk, but you would still like to get to know him. You post an ad about how you accidentally bumped his hands while reaching for that bottle of water at the same time, and he responds. You go on a date with him, and all of a sudden, you're married with a dog, and you're in the process of adopting your first child. It's unfortunate that it doesn't really work that way. I read misconnections daily for two reasons. The first is that I want to see if my outfit slash general awesome was recognized. The second is that people write some really weird shit. Most of the ads posted read something like this. You made that booty work, and I can't wait to tear that ass apart. There was also one about scat play. Oof. I really try to be open-minded about things, but I just don't understand the sex appeal of poop. Some of the posts are cute. Has anyone had successful date from misconnections? Please let me know. I want an amazing story. The problem with the ones that aren't creepy is the ever-important identification portion of the post. If you made eyes and remembered all the details of someone in the commuter train, it's very unlikely that they paid attention to how your shoes were tied and the color of your backpack. He or she was probably only trying to get home without being attacked. The truth is, I forget what I'm wearing most days, so even if you were talking about me, I'd be clueless. 
There are a lot of posts about servers and bartenders on misconnections. It's time to be honest. People who work in the service industry are working for tips. That $3 hourly wage is not going to pay the bills. It's a double-edged sword for them. They can't be mean to you because they want to tip, but they may also not be interested in you. So you must think you're really special if you think your server or bartender is going to remember you until he or she punches out, then through his or her ride home, and then until he or she checks her computer or phone, then even if she reads misconnections. In reality, you should probably just flirt with someone or give them your number when you initially meet. The worst that happens is you never get a call and at that point, no one's ego has burst. The only people who will know about it are you and the other person. It's much better to have that yes or no than to sit around daydreaming about a person who doesn't know you exist. Those wedding daydreams are not healthy. Oh wow, Tom, that was mean. Goodness gracious. I don't think about weddings a lot, so I guess it's not um, too mean. Well, I hope you guys have a great Sunday and a great week. It's been a long week for me. I know it's been a long week for Tiffany, so um, I'm just glad to have gone through it. Everything's fine. I know if you follow me on my Twitter, at HomelessTom, you may have seen something about my job. It's a very long and confusing story, and I think um, it's best left off the air. But just know that I'm fine. Everything's fine. My job is not in danger. Um, just know that. So enjoy these next few little blog posts. And then enjoy your week, your day. Say you love someone. Do something nice. I don't know why I'm feeling so sentimental this morning, but there you have it. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Okay, love you. Bye. So this blog post was titled, no lie, meeting Edward Cullen, but without the sparkles. And this was posted not as, not as long ago, making an Edward Cullen joke. Like it was already past time to make Edward Cullen jokes, so just know that. <clears throat> okay, so now I'm gonna start reading it, and you can make fun of me all you want, and this is the whole point of this, so. I'm not talking about Robert Pattinson. If you're not familiar with the Twilight series of novels, the main character, Bella, falls in love with this perfect man who happens to be a vampire. They're a fun and easy read. I mean, if you haven't read them already. Seriously, at this point, it's so not cool, it's cool again. Read them on your Kindle so no one knows what you're reading. He came into my life via a friend. The first time we met, very little eye contact was made. Him and the gang were interested in the football game. When I was telling my story in a very wordy, very roundabout, oh, wait, for this to make sense, I have to tell you about the time that I got my teeth molded way. I stopped mid-story and apologized, as I was in the presence of three straight men, including him. We followed dinner with a round of bowling, maybe two. We had a few pitchers of beer. I got along great with both of the guys I was meeting for the first time that night. Before departing, hugs were in order. When I hugged him, my world changed a little bit. The story... <laughs> this was really hard to explain without sounding like a dramatic homo who falls in love with every guy he meets. A guy who can't hug without turning into something bigger. I've never been fond of hugging. I mean, I get the importance, but the contact with people is not something I'm huge on, unless I'm drunk and you're Ben and we're in Chicago and I'm using your lap as a pillow. So my world kind of stopped during his embrace. The best way to describe it was that I felt safe. No other human, less my parents, has made me feel safe like that. My world stopped. I know. It's a fucking hug. And I'm so gay. He's not from the area and only tended to be home around holidays. I texted my best friend on the way home as a passenger. <laughs> I can't wait to tell you about tonight. That's always a bad omen for me. Over the next few months, he was home pretty frequently. The next time I was home, I invited my best friend to come with me because I figured she'd get on uh, with this friend group as well as I had. We went to a nightclub, one where you dance and drink and had a good time. On the way home, my BFF said that the, he had sparkly boy band eyes. 
It's a real problem. I assume that's it's what Justin Timberlake has as well as Zayn. It's a problem because up to this point, boy bands didn't do anything for me. I didn't understand their power. This time, when we had a conversation, he never broke eye contact. I like Sparkle, so I didn't break either. This makes me uncomfortable because I'm actually very adverse to eye contact. There's power and emotion in eye contact, and much like physical contact, I'm not a fan. However, with him, it's fine because he makes my world feel safe. Remember? We left that night and I asked my BFF, doesn't he give the best hugs? She said, he was a very good hugger. I then asked, did he make your world stop too? As if that's a normal question, but I had to ask to make sure that this feeling was universal and that it wasn't unique to me. And oh boy, was her response. A very appropriate response. I have a problem where I refuse to admit that I have a crush on someone. My delay is approximately three to six months. Keep that in mind as we move forward. A few months later, he's home again, and we're doing a round at the bar to celebrate birthdays and some graduations. Once again, we're at a club. There were a lot of people from his high school there. We were talking about something, and he said something stupid, so I poked him in the chest. When I poked him in the chest, there was no give. My drunk ass was highly amused, so I continued to poke. I leaned close and asked him, how many push-ups do you do a day? He said, and smiled, that he didn't count. Bullshit. You're too neurotic not to count and do them daily. How many? His response, 200. My response, it shows. I continue to poke him and then invite other people to feel his pecs because I'm absolutely normal and not at all insane. A few more months pass and he's home again. We all go bowling per tradition. Upon seeing him, he asks me all about the things he knows I've been doing. I saw you were at a Katy Perry concert. How was it? How's your job? I know you got a promotion. Dude, if you know everything already, I can't share a story, can I? Also, how do you know all of these things about me? I realize that social media is a thing, but I couldn't even tell you what my BFF was doing yesterday, and I was with her. We all met up at a friend's house before heading to the alley. There were about nine of us, so we get into two different cars. My friend, not BFF, was talking very loudly. She said, so you and him, you guys are so cute together. Do you think you're going to go on a date? I sat there frantically trying to do the cut across the throat thing to make her stop. She, being the ever so wonderful ditz she is, kept going. One of the passengers in the back shouts in his overly manly voice, He's not gay. Friend responds, I don't know, maybe he is. Seems like it. I don't comment, so I can't be misquoted later. While we were waiting for the employee to grab shoes for us, I learned two things. One, that we were the same size shoes. Two, he remembers everything. He grabs my hands and puts them to his pecs, which this time, instead of poking, I full-on grope. I was lonely then. I continue to be lonely now. Also, he invited me to do it. Sort of. While bowling, we continue our conversation. I had been talking to a guy on Tinder the last time I saw him, and he asked about it. Tinder guy was kind of boring, but very nice, and I still chat with him occasionally. I was explaining to him while sitting on a couch. I said something like, talking to him was boring. It was like talking to a wall. Him, with eye contact, says back while pacing his hand gently on my thigh. That sounds nothing like when you and I talk. Uncomfortable with the eye and physical contact, I guffaw while making a stressed face. I don't know what he means, and he's touching me, and there may be some meaning behind that, right? Later on that night, we find out that he's breaking up with his girlfriend. My friend and I weren't part of that. Literal huddle. The other friends were in. He was taking too long, so we harassed him to take his turn. We were later told that he was announcing that he was going to break up with her to the group. This made that thigh touch more confusing, for sure. At some point in the night, I got drunk enough to be kind of good at bowling and got a strike. I turned around and saw him running toward me with his arms open. Confused, I opened my arms because that's the only thing I could think of a normal person doing, and he embraces me in a hug. Fuck. 
he proceeds to sweep me off my feet and spin me around. I am not a light guy, so I was impressed, but now also floating in safety like a baby in a warm womb. I was put back down and smiling, but really confused. The night ended with an incredible hug after I got him to twerk, which wasn't all impressive, but very appreciated. I texted BFF that night. I think I have a crush on him, and I think it may be reciprocated. She responds, way to catch up. I lay in bed that night, head spinning, and not in the good way from alcohol, but in the bad way from having too much to sort through in my head. Well, he just broke up with his girlfriend. I'm single. I think we're flirting. He's the first person to ever rest his hand on my thigh mid-conversation. I was turning 24, and BFF was planning something. I knew who was invited, but not where they were invited to. I made a short list for BFF, and she sent out the invites. Everyone RSVP'd yes. That meant he was coming. A few weeks later, I get a text that he changed his RSVP. I was at work and a little bummed out about it. I got home from work and consumed any alcohol I could find in my house. That included the bottom of a bottle of tequila rose beer that had been purchased last year for my birthday and a bottle of pumpkin that my brother was probably saving for something more important than my crisis I was having. I sang the song Only For You by the Heartless Bastards and posted it to my Snapchat story, drunker than I'd have been in a long time. I was heartbroken with no right to be, really. He doesn't owe me anything. I felt stupid for getting so worked up over it, but I was. I had friends that were driving from Chicago for my birthday, and I hadn't seen them in a while. They should have outweighed one person not coming. My birthday came and went. Plans for Christmas time to meet up as a group fell through. Fast forward six months. I had been working a shit job, and I would occasionally punch out in the middle of my very long shifts to go work out. It was my safe haven. One particular Saturday, I had punched out, uh, run over to work out, and as I was signing into the class, I can hear him. Tom, how are you? I'm caught off guard. I knew he was coming home and taking the class with our friend, but I lost track of weekends. I'd been working 50 to 70 hour work weeks, and I was tired, and it really didn't matter what day it was. I knew I'd be at work. He had just finished class. He was sweaty. It was glorious. I didn't apologize for it, and hugged. he hugged me as if he wasn't dripping sweat. I was safe again. There were plans to go out that evening, and I was unsure whether or not I wanted to attend, so I said that his response was, if you don't come, I'm going to drive to your house, pull you out of bed, and drag you out with us because I want you there. I dragged BFF into this because I need moral support, and also I want her to observe to see if he, in fact, is flirting with me or is into me or something. This was rude of me because she was starting her new job the next day and was having jitters. I'm so inconsiderate. The night progresses and after BFF leaves, she confirms that she does think he's into me. Per his usual touch, he knows everything about what's going on with me and is asking me a lot of questions about it. I think I mostly just bitch about my job at this point. Per my usual touch, I know nothing about him and I don't really know what to ask him. I try. He smiles a lot and tells me I'm the best. I'm inclined to believe it because of sparkle eyes. We had never taken a picture together before, so I say, let's take a selfie. Then, my least favorite thing in the world happens. Someone offers to take a photo. I've been working on my ankles since MySpace. You are not going to take a full body shot that I'm okay with. I have body issues. I know how to hide them in a selfie. Uh, not a body E. Oh, that one's really a written word joke. So then six shots were taken of us. I'm not lying when I say that I and he look very uncomfortable and unsure. They are the weirdest photos I've ever been in. In one, I'm touching his thigh. He followed with a comment about two girls having trouble walking in their heels walking past, being really attractive. I reminded him that they were having issues walking, but he assured me he didn't care. 
This came out of nowhere for me. I felt like our weird photo was that step too far and he had to regain masculinity. He's allowed to think that women are attractive, but that wasn't the conversation we were having. I also try not to talk to someone about being attractive to people when I'm in a large group of people because I will inevitably make someone uncomfortable. Also, with my luck, the attractive guy would probably hear me. Self-preservation. Am I right? The night ends with a safe hug and I am in my bed, head spinning. (laughs) Sorry. The, uh, am I right? in the middle of that really got me. Why were these photos so weird? He wanted me there, right? Why was everyone annoyed with me? Can anyone from Washington, PA actually be hot? Sometime over the summer, he got a girlfriend. My brother bought a house and I moved in with him. We threw a housewarming party and his girlfriend came with my friend, but he did not come. Oh, by the way, she lived here in Pittsburgh. He did it. So it kind of makes sense that someone's girlfriend was in my house. I got drunk because he's apparently the only thing I emotionally drink about. Flash forward about a year and the first of the we want to be married and have kids 20 somethings is about to get married. They're having a bachelor party, but I was invited to drink with the ladies who are not having a bachelorette party. My friend got a call while we were enjoying our time that the boys were coming. She felt very inclined to point out that he was coming. She kept saying it over and over again like it meant something. It obviously didn't because he had a girlfriend or fiance. I'm not sure because I'm not coping with the idea of either. He didn't come to our party. He was too drunk. How drunk can someone be at 10.30 p.m.? You obviously haven't been practicing. I sent him a slew of angry tipsy texts, but in the gay, mean, joking way, he apologized. I drank till I started smoking cigarettes, and that's never good. I only smoke when I'm blacked out, because that's how it all began. I apologized the next morning and asked for a rain check to see him at some other point in the future. Fast forward six months, and the friend that introduced us is getting married. Since the last interaction with him the night of the party, I had no contact with him, even via text. So by this point, I had pushed him out of my mind, out of sight. I tried not to have anxiety about the wedding because I didn't really have the right to as I wasn't getting married. The morning of the wedding, I woke up at 4.30 a.m. feeling nauseated. I was kind of confused about this feeling because last night I had been fine. I still had a few hours of work between me and the wedding. I rolled out of bed and just got my day started because I knew that I wouldn't be able to fall asleep or relax for the rest of the day. BFF and I got to the wedding and after dropping off our card, we hit up the open bar because that was going to be the only way either one of us was getting through this wedding. I was seated far away from him and obviously he was in the party, so he wasn't even there until about an hour into the evening. I had no intentions of heading that way, and if I was going to dance, it would be in our corner of the floor, not theirs. My whole goal of this evening was this to make this the last time I'd ever see most of these people again. Obviously, they caused me some sort of anxiety. These are my friends that are very interested in getting married, having kids, and buying a house. I have a dog that I love dearly, and that's as good as it's going to get for me for the time being. At some point, BFF says, we have to go say hi to the table. I sigh, but only agree when he's no longer at the table. We walk over to say hi to some people. The general consensus is that we didn't even know you were here. Fuck. I should have kept it that way. While talking to them, the fiancé came to say hi to me. We were chatting. Behind her, I saw a head pop up with excitement. It belonged to him. A flash blur later, and he was basically between me and fiancé to hug me. I felt safe again, with a tinge of angry. He takes over the conversation, asking me a bunch of questions, but this time he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know everything because I unfriended him on Facebook a few months ago. How long has it been? Before I can answer. A year and a half? It's been way too long. I catch him up on my life in the misanthropic, hopeless ways I normally do. He smiles. That eye contact. I've missed you so much. He gets distracted by someone else, and I turn around, and another friend who knows the situation says, who allowed this? The music got better as the night progressed. I death dropped for the first time publicly. I was living. Only a few more hours, and I was free. 
The lights came on and I told BFF that I need to step outside to feel what cold air is again. While standing outside, the groomsman walked past us and he was there. He hugged her and apologized for not talking to her at all at any other point in the night. She was blacked out at this point. He turns to me and says that I should follow up with him about what happens to me after I graduate. BFF yells, Boston! He looks to me for clarification. I had invited a small group of friends to come with me while I walk at my graduation in southern New Hampshire. Boston isn't too far away from where I'm walking, so we were going to stay in Boston, head to watch me walk, and then come back to Boston and party like someone who's been trying this for seven years and finishes deserves. I wasn't expecting to tell him about this, so I explained and I felt like I couldn't explain without extending an invite. His response that, we're getting married in Massachusetts in May, so that may really work out well. We say goodbye. We hug. I'm safe. It was supposed to be the last time. Now I'm not sure it will be. I'm not expecting him to follow up, and I'm not going to remind him. I think I'm safe, but knowing for sure is very scary for me. We'll see you in another six months. Until then, I'm not sure I can think about it anymore. Scene. <laughs> uh, just to follow up, uh, like the time has come and passed where I walked for my graduation and he did, he did not arrive and I have not spoken to him since the wedding. So you're all got up. And this one is called, and I haven't read this, so I don't know what's about to come to us. This one is called Tom and the Straight Man. Being a gay man in a heteronormative world isn't always the easiest thing. I don't even mean in the sense of bullying, but in the sense that you have to consciously think of how to approach certain situations. I've had some very strange interactions with straight men. I don't know if I'm the only person who regularly experiences things like this. Read the following stories and let me know. When I'm going out to go out with friends who are inviting people I've never met before, specifically their straight male friends, I take a lot into consideration. It's never that I don't want to appear or behave too gay. It's inevitable. It's part of my very being. I have an effeminate voice that I didn't cultivate. It just is. I like watching Drag Race and occasionally shouting out, yes, God, or throw in a room echoing tongue pop. I like glitter, eyeshadow, wedges, and heels. I'm not afraid to behave like this in front of these men. I'm afraid I'm going to make them uncomfortable. I know it's not my job to make them comfortable, but things are a lot better when I make the effort. I wish I could make it clear to these men that when I go out, I have no intentions of hitting on them. I love to drink. That's my first and final goal of the night. Drink alcohol. I'm not out to make new friends or meet people. I'm there for alcohol. If that secondary stuff happens to accidentally happen, then great. If not, I still consumed alcohol goal achieved. This is basically a rundown of how meeting a straight man friend or a friend for the first time goes. We shake hands. He introduces himself and I introduce myself. I've been practicing my handshake since I was 13 because people with terrible handshakes terrify me and make me feel gross. Also, nothing screams gay like a limp handshake. Now, if he's a normal person, we tend to ignore each other for the rest of the night. That's fine because we don't share any interests and we don't need to talk to each other. Our only connection is our mutual friend and we exist in a perfect harmony, not talking to each other for the rest of the night. The other, more common, parentheses for me thing that happens is the guy feels like he needs to talk to me about something i always always let the straight man lead the conversation that way he's more comfortable i'm pretty good at conversation so this works i have minimal knowledge of a lot of things so even if he brings up basketball i can rack my brain with some kind of witty response then after he runs out of conversation he panics and starts asking me questions about being gay he'll say like being gay is awesome I don't have the time or patience to respond to things like this because remember, alcohol. I think because I don't shut the man up, he assumes he should keep going about homosexuality. Then I think there's a moment of panic in his head where he thinks, well, I've been talking about this way too much and he probably thinks I'm gay. I don't. Then he'll say verbally, I'm straight. And then I say, 
okay. Not even in a condescending or mean way. I just say, okay. I think that this then sends the treatment into an existential crisis. Am I gay? I've had gay thoughts before. I knew I was checking out that dude in the porn earlier way too much. You can see this happening on the straight man's face. I just let him process because I'm too busy enjoying my alcohol. Also, it's not my job to reassure this man that he is straight. I don't want to get into the Kinsey scale because I'm not sure if he'll find that helpful or hurtful. I also don't want to tell him that he doesn't have to like things that I like to be gay. That being gay is just being sexually attracted to dudes. That he can still like football, beer, and video games. This is just an example of what I imagine these people like. Now, we're both just uncomfortable and have to fumble through the rest of this night while our friends are having fun. You might think that this doesn't happen, but I'm going to give specific examples. One night, my friend and I were going to a bar just outside the city of Pittsburgh. It's one of those bars where all the people from the neighborhood go to and everyone knows each other. Everyone there went to high school together and she went to that high school. She knew essentially everyone there. We were standing on a patio while some of her friends smoked and I was talking to this guy about something regarding Snapchat. I think I was just showing him a filter or something and he said, I'm not gay. So I just said, anyway, this is how you do that. My friend hung out with them after she dropped me off. She said for the rest of the night, he talked about if I was gay. I feel like I ruined his night slash life. On my birthday this year, I was celebrating with the same friend. Maybe it's her. She was talking to this guy she likes and he was there with a friend. Being the good friend, trademark, I am. I chatted up his friend so the other two could talk without interruption. Basically, everything that happened that I described earlier happened with him and more. He was normal and cool until he started asking questions. He got mad at me because I told him that the highlight of my year was touching Beyonce. Don't give power to those assholes. They don't deserve it. Then he found out that it was my birthday and pulled me in for a hug, then grabbed my head and turned so our faces met and he kissed me. He followed up by saying, I'm straight. I told him, just to be clear, you kissed me. I don't want you to get this twisted later. Then he kept talking about how straight he was. Now, if you were going to kiss me as a straight man, then please have the decency to ignore me for the rest of the night so I can properly enjoy my alcohol. No, that's not what happened. He told me about his son and his life. I was bored for him. I have many more examples, some of them spanning for months and years. I won't bore you with them. Should I introduce myself like this? Hi, hello, I'm Tom. I know you're straight. Or will that just send them into some other psychotic fit I have never encountered? Have you ever had an experience like this? I'm genuinely interested to see if this only happens to me. Also, any advice would be greatly appreciated. Also, am I an alcoholic? Okay, I found a good one that I didn't read, but this one has pictures, but don't worry about those. It's called Letters to My Past Self, College Edition. Hello, freshman year, Tom. I'm happy to tell you that you will eventually get a good haircut. Not that your friend was doing a terrible job at cutting it. You were trying to be unique with the hundreds of millions of others trying to be unique. You won't tire of the vibrant colors in your hair. That trait remains. It was very honorable of us to think that we could handle being a social worker. Our experience with Harry, our social worker, was very important and formative for us. He made us feel comfortable in our own skin. He forced us to face the fact that we are gay. He was our safety net. When we were unsure of what we were feeling, was normal. Harry was there to reassure us that we were going to be just fine. It was unfortunate that in an introduction to social work, we learned that social work isn't for the weak. I want to remind you that you're not weak. You're empathetic and we wouldn't be able to handle the emotional stress that comes with that job. Also, you find out that that job doesn't pay well and Harry had to go through a lot of education and work really hard to be in the situation he was. Being poor and crying on a daily basis wasn't on your to-do list. 
Why did we go to Slippery Rock? It was a great school, but we didn't belong there. They were the first school that said, hey, we like you, so you should come here. And that was basically all we needed to finalize the decision. You figured out very quickly that the middle of nowhere wasn't for you. Being stuck in the college life for months on end was grueling, and it didn't help you that you weren't fond of your roommate. I'm proud of you for making it through that whole year and having the strength to transfer, even though it was difficult to leave the people there. Sophomore year, Tom. Oh boy, you're probably my favorite. Goodbye, emo bangs. Hello, blonde pixie cut. You start listening to music as interesting as you are. Unfortunately, you're a bit cynical. Way too cynical of everyone and everything. In your head, you and your mom are always fighting. Always. Meanwhile, she just wants you to let her in on your life, but you don't think she'll be open-minded enough to hear any of it. Also, she was trying to talk to you at 5.30 a.m. while you were both getting ready for your day. Perhaps that wasn't the best time for her to make those efforts, but you didn't have to be a complete cunt about it. You're at Point Park. You're in the city now. Woohoo! Crazy, wild, and exciting. However, downtown Pittsburgh basically shuts down at 6 p.m. unless you're going to hit up a show in the Cultural District. Your experience at Point Park University introduces you to some very important people in your life. Helen Fallon. She's a fabulous instructor and very hard to impress. You resent how much she marks up your papers, but your final draft always goes over very well. While we're not perfect writers, she's definitely the reason we can write a very long research paper and have very little editing to do. You would roll your eyes at what I just said, but I promise you will be very thankful for what you learned from her. You start being a little bit more flamboyant than you already are. Those conservatory of the performing arts kids doing splits and singing in the elevator just really get to you. You think you're comfortable with it, but you really aren't. You're just waiting for people to comment on your physical appearance so you can start a fight with them. When Nicole called you a fruit scooch, it wasn't offensive. You didn't have to be such a cunt about it. You still roll your eyes a lot, but you need to start cutting it out. You really cared about your grades while pretending you didn't care about your grades. You were making lots of efforts to make your transition between college and the real world as seamless as possible. You were a PR major now, highly active in the PRSSA club on campus, and you were double majoring in sport, art, and entertainment management. You were a go-getter. We need to bring some of that spunk back, but not all that cunty cynicism. Junior slash senior year Tom. Oh boy, that go-getter attitude gets you into some trouble that you don't foresee, but it's okay. I've forgiven you for it already. Pittsburgh's too small for you. You love Chicago and you need to find a way to move there and live there. You want to leave everything behind. You need to put some distance between you and everything happening in Pittsburgh. You don't know why yet, but it's very important that you do. Loyola. Hey girl, how are you? Your excellent grades land you a great scholarship. We leave halfway through junior year. We land in Chicago mid-January and learn that the snow and cold there is no joke. We get to reconnect with Erin. She's the best, and don't worry, she sticks around. Those panic attacks of her never not being your friend anymore are unfounded. Yes, keep going to $5 pictures of Sangria Tuesday. No, you shouldn't have the hip burrito. It's great, but you'll never remember that night. You meet the worst human you've ever encountered in your life, and it's hard. Um, it doesn't start that way. You shouldn't have focused on that negative energy so much. Why? Because you meet Ben, and he turns out to be a major player to this day. He is your rock. You can tell him everything. I know you don't think that at first. He likes basketball? But he has that awesome Kid Cudi art. You learn that he's the actual best after you black out watching the Super Bowl. M-D-N-A. Madonna. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, we still get migraines when we hear her name. And cleared the entire apartment. 
he wasn't even there. Also, you found out how open-minded and equally hysterical he is when he catches you watching The Voice Between Classes one day and starts mocking the whole process with you instead of mocking you for watching it. Enough of these people. How are classes going? <laughs> Good question. They're going. You're passing, but you don't give a shit either way. It's your second transfer, and that means that this new school has a general education requirements you haven't taken already. You have to take metaphysics, Jesus Christ, history, Islam, and introduction to the study of religion. You're bored. You're 22 in classes with students who are 17 or 18. Their wide-eyed enthusiasm pisses you off. You're doing a ton of group projects with little input from other members. Your public relations classes all fold out the same. Pick a company, research, write a public relations plan, present to class. You don't feel like you're being challenged anymore and start questioning all of your decisions up to this point. Because your living situation, you're not really making home in Chicago, and every chance you get, you come home. This is confusing and upsetting to you because you thought you could handle life away from this town and people. You didn't need them anyway. You spend many nights and days crying over this. You miss your mom asking how your life is every morning at 5.30 a.m. You don't get to see Kristen every day, and you can't laugh together over stupid things in the same room. Your visits home are too short, and you cry on planes a lot. You'll be sitting in your capstone class listening to the Disney kids squawking about how great Disney is. Side note, this is a real thing. If you're going to school for communications, you will inevitably meet a Disney person. They're the worst. They only like Disney and you can't convince them that anything else in the world is important. You can overhear people talking about jobs or internships they have lined up and the only thing between you and graduating is an internship. You realize two things. The first thing you realize is that you hate PR students and hope to never encounter these people again. Two. You don't want to graduate. You never really wanted to go to school to begin with. You just did it because you're smart and that's what people expect you to do after high school. So you just stop and you don't think there's a point in continuing. Everyone but you is pissed off about your decision. You understand why they're pissed? They have the right to be because they've invested money or time in your education. You don't know what you're going to do next, but you know you need a break. After quitting school, Tom. You don't start work immediately. You take six weeks off just to exist. In that time, Ben and Andres come to visit you, and you get to see your home through new eyes. It's wonderful. They brought a certain energy with them, and now that we're removed from our situation in Chicago, and that energy gets inside of you. Just a tiny bit. You don't immediately start moving mountains, but it gets you out of your funk. You start working in the restaurant industry. You hate it, but you meet some lovely people during your three-month run. You find a study job in a few months that you feel comfortable enough to start school again. You go back to Point Park and take a class. You get an A, but don't continue at Point Park. You then apply to Southern New Hampshire University because you haven't gone to enough college institutions. You also think if you can graduate, how impressive would it be to graduate online? Does anyone graduate college through an online institution? You'd be a star! You get paired up with an awesome advisor and she understands your fears and concerns. And she is wonderful. She keeps you on track. You falter a little bit because taking courses while working full time and trying to have a life is difficult. She's always there calling you and making things happen. You hate technical writing, but you can do it. You did it after withdrawing three times and failing once. Also, you failed your first class ever. I'm secretly proud of you for that. It wasn't that bad when you passed the second time because you were trying. We laugh it off, but failing was a weird experience for us. It turns out that failing one class is not the end of the world. December 17th, 2016. You turn in your final assignment. You laugh maniacally for five minutes, then you sob. You sob the hardest you've sobbed since Caitlin passed away. Sobbed. You were done. We are done. I'm so proud of us. Sincerely, today, Tom. Wow, that was really cheesy, and I'm sorry if that was like too much. Today we're going to learn how bad I am at flirting, and then we're also going to read a post that I didn't read at all. And uh, it's titled, Is Your No-No Zone Worth It? 
So let's just get into it. This first one is called Flirting, The Russian Lemonade, The Broadway Skinny, and The Confusing Dancer. Some of the things I write on my blog may seem like exaggerations, but I swear that my struggles are real. Flirting happens to be one of my hardest struggles. Most of my flirting is done unintentionally, and that usually goes better than when I flirt on purpose. On the flip side, I'm clueless at knowing when people are flirting with me. The Russian. I had two friends visiting me from Chicago, and I was giving them the grand tour of Pittsburgh and its glorious surrounding neighborhoods. This obviously meant a trip to the strip district was in order. My best friend was also there. We parked and stared our trip down the street. The first thing we passed after eating peace, love, and little donuts was a man working at the lemonade stand. He looked to be about my age. My friend told me that he was staring at me the entire time and that I was in his eyesight. We did the usual things, and on our way back to the car, we passed the lemonade stand again. A few steps beyond the stand, I declare, Fuck it! I need some lemonade! I wait patiently in a three-person line while my friends wait in eyesight behind the stand. I receive a few thumbs-up gestures from my audience. I decided to order a large lemonade to maximize the chat time with the cutie. When he asks me for my order, I quickly learn that he's Russian. His accent was thicker than honey. We have a little back and forth, and he asks if I'm from the area, and I tried not to rudely ask where he's from, so I ask him if he's also from the area. He tells me that he's here on a work or a student, I can't remember, exchange program. He didn't go into detail. I wanted to say I didn't realize lemonade stands were serious enough to offer work exchange programs. I didn't say this as we were having enough communication problems as it was, and I don't know how to convey sarcasm to a Russian man. He obviously was doing this as a weekend gig. I tried to ask him when he was done with work, but he didn't understand, and after three attempts, I tell him, have a nice day and leave with one of the best lemonades I've ever had. The how many points do I have left guy. My best friend is an avid Darren Chris fan, so obviously we had to hike up to New York City for the opening night of his first gig on Broadway, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. We, like many other determined fan zombies, were hell-bent on getting an autograph or photograph with Chris. Oh, I used his last name. That's weird. I was, like, actually trying to be a journalist. We befriended a tall guy and a drunk girl while we were waiting in the herd. If I remember correctly, these two lovelies hail from New Jersey. The four of us were the least crazy based only on our four votes, but we were the only group not fighting for attention by declaring that we loved Chris more than anyone else. We talked for at least an hour, and the idea of getting drinks after was brought up. This, unfortunately, didn't pan out. Later, my best friend and I had a conversation in our hotel room that went something like this. Best friend, did you not find the tall guy attractive? Me. He was okay, I guess. I wasn't really paying too much attention. BFF, he was totally flirting with you. Me. Uh, what? BFF, yeah. Me. Well, everything was doomed after he tried to do Weight Watchers point math out loud to make sure he had enough for drinks. Is one drink really going to spoil his day? Side note, this man was very skinny, so it didn't seem like he really needed Weight Watchers. Extra side note, about a year and a half later, we did succeed. And there is a photo of me with Darren Chris. Finally, the straight man who should have been gay. Guys, this is not even in the paragraph here, but do you guys see a common theme in uh, my failures in relationships? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. I see it too. 
My friend had a birthday party while I was living in Chicago at a really cool taco place in Wicker Park. It's difficult to properly describe my friendship with this friend. We met in college in Pittsburgh. She graduated and moved to Chicago, and then I transferred out there. In Chicago, she has two groups of friends. She has her work friends and her dance friends. Then there's me. I'm the sole member of the Tom friend group. I'm not very familiar with either friend group at this point, but I try to make do by talking to some of the dancer friends. One guy and I start talking, and I think everything is going my way, so I attempt a little flirting. It's important to note that I'm two drinks in and feeling better than a regular Tom, who doesn't try anything ever. I know it's terrible to make generalizations about people, but he was a dancer, and sometimes gay people are dancers, but I guess gay people are a lot of different things. This isn't a very good argument, is it? Let me continue. To further add to my suspicions about this guy, we had an in-depth conversation about Pride Week. He graduated from a notoriously gay university. The icing on the cake is when I find out that he resides in Boys Town, a very gay neighborhood in Chicago. I definitely think there's something awesome uh, on the way. Then he tells me about his ex-girlfriend. Sigh. Do you have a flirting failure? Share with me in the comment section below. That's actually in my paragraph, and I'm a little upset about it. Okay, that ends that one. Okay, this one's called, Is Your No-No Zone Worth It? And I'm already upset that I had actually titled one of my blog posts about it. But uh, as I can, as I'm scrolling through here, I'm pretty sure it's about underwear. But let's, let's roll into this. I really don't understand women's obsession with Victoria's Secret. Is underwear really that exciting for women? Do the garments from this store touch you in a special way? Is that little heart over your hoo-ha really going to drive your significant other wild? Is that bra really worth more than one day's work at minimum wage? These are things I've always wondered. So if you're a woman and can explain this phenomenon to me, I'd love to hear it. I'm going to be honest with you. My mother bought my underwear for the better part of my life. She even listened to me when I asked to go from briefs to boxers, then to boxer briefs. The locker room was a stressful place for me in middle school. I had to fit in. Embarrassingly enough, this pattern continued through college. Then one day during my sophomore year, I decided it was time to finally fork over my own money for my underwear. Then I saw the prices. No wonder I let mom take care of this for me. I have the strangest judgment of what is and what is not worth money. Underwear to me is an article of clothing that no one really gets to see, so it should cost less than a dollar. That last sentence just revealed a lot about me. Pay attention. On the other end of the spectrum, yes, I will pay $310 for that designer sweater. When Walmart wanted me to spend about $3 per pair of underwear, I couldn't hack it. That five pack of Hanes was way too expensive. This was a huge purchase for me, and I had to really think about it and weigh the pros and cons. Is underwear really worth that much? Do people realize how outrageous this is? Then I realized going commando isn't for me. So I bought them. I try really hard not let society pressure me into things, but I'm a complete failure. Internet ads really started catching my attention when lower torsos clad in only tiny briefs appeared everywhere I clicked. I not only took in the sculpted bodies of these men, but also took note that their undergarments did not look cheap like mine. I was forced to rethink all of my underwear choices up until that point. I looked into buying the brands that these models were wearing. Trust me, I realized that I wasn't going to magically get the bodies they did. They were too expensive. The unknown they wanted me to pay $32 for three pairs of underwear. No way. I continued to wallow in self-pity about my underwear situation. I teetered back and forth on buying new underwear for months. Months. Does anyone else really think about underwear like I do? Probably not. I was on Tumblr, and someone posted something that Tom Ford, a famous men's fashion designer, supposedly wrote. Below, you can see the list, and I will read it to you. The Essentials, Tom Ford, designer and filmmaker. 
One, the perfect pair of dark denim jeans. Two, a sense of humor. Three, a daily read of an intelligent online newspaper. Four, good manners. Five, a nail clipper. Six, tweezers. Seven, magnifying mirror. Eight, beautiful toothbrush. Nine, bottle of mouthwash. 10, a good cologne that becomes a signature. 11, a well-cut dark suit. 12, a pair of classic black lace-up shoes. 13, black loafers. 14, blazer. 15, lots of crisp white cotton shirts. 16, always new socks and underwear. Throw the old ones away every six months. 17, a classic tuxedo. 18, a beautiful day watch with a metal band. 19, a beautiful evening watch with a leather strap. 20, the perfect sunglasses. 21, a good bed, crisp sheets, down pillows, and a down duvet. 22, perfect teeth. If you don't have them, save them up and get them fixed. Uh, okay. I got really embarrassed. Does everyone know this? Is this a rule that my parents forgot to teach me growing up? Every six months? Needless to say, I immediately bought that pack of underwear for $32. Actually, I bought two packs. P.S. What is a beautiful toothbrush? P.P.S. This is really just a reason for me to post pictures of people in underwear.